Presenting Detective Nick Harris in a salute to the law. Quoting the words of Reverend Pennewell, pastor of St. John's Methodist Episcopal Church of Chicago, Illinois, in an editorial he contributed to a nationally known crime magazine, crime never pays in happiness and honor. It always pays in sorrow and shame and death. End of quotation. Just so is the case Detective Nick Harris will unfold in this story he is entitled The Female Ogre. And now, Mr. Harris. Uh, thank you, Mr. Starling. Ladies and gentlemen, from time to time I'm called upon by editors of newspapers and magazines to contribute facts concerning crime cases that have taken place throughout the world. Therefore, it was not unusual a few months ago when Marty Coe, a no newspaper reporter friend of mine, came to my office. Hello, Chief. Hello, Marty. Sit down, won't you? Thanks. Well, what is it this time? Oh, another story as usual. Only this time I want something really gruesome. At the same time with some human interest in it. Yeah, let's see now. Something gruesome. Oh, yes. Have I ever told you the story of the female ogre? The woman without a heart and whose only goal in life was the accumulation of vast sums of money regardless of the cost? No, I don't believe you have, Chief. What's it about? Well, you know, Marty... Some people do a very foolish thing when they answer advertisements in matrimonial journals without first having the party advertising investigated. This story begins many years ago when we find Mrs. Cooper and her adopted young daughter, Marie, preparing dinner for Mr. Cooper, who is expected home from work. Hurry up, Marie, and finish setting the table. Daddy will be home any time now. Yes, Mother. Yes. Yeah. Hand me Daddy's coffee cup. I want to pour his coffee now. But it'll get cold sitting so long. Hand me the cup and shut up. Now, where's that little box I had sitting on the mantelpiece? I put it over there on the table. Well, go get it. Go get it and hurry up. Here it is, Mother. What do you want it for? Never mind. Just keep on setting the table. All right. There he is now. Go let him in, Marie. Yes, Mother. Well, well, well. How's my little princess tonight? Fine, Daddy. Here, I'll take your coat. Ah. Something smells good. Liver and onions, your favorite dish. Hmm? What is this, a celebration? No. Come on, sit down. Dinner will be cold. Aye, my, everyone is considerate tonight. Coffee poured and everything. Boy, it certainly is snowing outside. A good cup of coffee will taste swell. I think I'll take a drink to warm me up. Here you are, dear. Coffee has a funny taste about it. What kind of coffee is it? Well, same kind you always drink. I guess you're so cold that the coffee tastes funny. Drink it up, dear. It'll be good for you. All right. Daddy! Daddy, what's wrong? You... You poisoned me. You devil, you... You poisoned me. Leave the room, Marie. I'll tend to your daddy. But I want to stay here and help him. You leave the room. All right. Marie? Yes, Daddy? You... Tell the police that your mother poisoned me. Daddy! Oh, Daddy! Shut up, you brat. Daddy said you killed me. Now, you listen, Marie. If you ever breathe that to a living soul, I'll kill you. Marie! Did you hear me? I I won't. Well, that's better. Now, we'd we'd better call a doctor. Won't be of any use, but... 
Gee, what a story. What happened then, Chief? Well, Ruth Cooper was able to get away with her first murder. She collected the insurance from the death of her husband, which was supposedly due to a heart attack. And then she bought herself a hog farm out in the country. She inserted advertisements in matrimonial journals, stating that she was a rich widow desiring a husband with a reasonable amount of money. Many men answered these advertisements. Several of them married her, never to be heard of again. Marie, the adopted daughter, although very young, was aware of what was going on, but was too frightened to tell anyone. She was kept virtually a prisoner. But one day, while Ruth Cooper was busy in the front of the house, we find Marie attempting to sneak out the back door. Why doesn't the door open? Oh, I've got to hurry. Well... Where are you going? I I wasn't going anywhere, Mother. I was just trying to see that the door was locked. I wasn't trying to get away. And what would you do if you did get away? I'd tell on you. All about killing those people and killing my daddy. Oh, you would, would you? Yes. Yes, I would. Well, Marie, I'm going to give you a chance to tell about me. What? What do you mean? Oh, now, you know I've always been a good mother to you, and I think it's about time that you were sent away to school so you can learn your lessons like the other children. Really? Uh, yes, dear. Now, you go wash your face, pack your clothes, and put on a clean dress, and I'll drive you to town. Oh, oh I'm so happy. And now, hurry along. I haven't got all day to waste on you. Yes, Mother. I'll change my dress and pack my clothes. I'm ready now. Well, first I want you to go into the storeroom and get my coat hanging on the hook in there. But, Mother, I, I don't want to go in there. I'm scared. Why? That, that's where you killed all those men. Oh, nothing will bite you. Go on now. Don't forget my coat. Yes, Mother. Oh, my little darling. Now is the chance I've been waiting for. Now I'll tend to her. find my coat? No, it's not here. Can't we go now? It's awfully warm out and you won't need a coat. I have a little job to do first and it's got to be done now. What, what do you mean? You see this? What do you want a knife for? Why are you looking at me so funny? Because I'm going to kill you. Oh, no, Mother, no. You're too dangerous to have around. But I thought you were going to let me go to school. Oh, I get you out of here. You'll talk your fool head off. No, no, I won't, Mother. No, I won't. I promise. It's about time I got rid of you anyway. You're a nuisance. No, Mother, no. Please don't, Mother. murdered the only person who could tell the true story of the disappearance of the men who had come to her farm to marry her in answer to the advertisements in the matrimonial journal. What happened then, Chief? Well, Ruth Cooper had not reckoned with the relatives of these murdered men. One of them had a very devoted son. Before leaving for the Cooper Hog Ranch, he had divulged his plan, giving the son the address of the place he was going he also promised his son that he would write to him immediately upon arrival at the ranch and assure him of his safety. However, after a month and not having received a letter from his father, 
This young man decided to take a trip down to the Cooper Ranch and investigate. You find him now at the door of Mrs. Cooper's home. Just a minute. Just a minute. Well, what do you want? I wish to see my father. Your father? What's his name? Uh, Daniel S. Florence. Daniel S. Florence. Oh, yes, I remember him. Uh, he was here about a month ago. Well, uh, where is he now? Oh, he left. Where did he go? Uh, step in, uh, won't you, and uh, we'll talk this over. Now, uh, let me get this straight. You say that my father was here and then left? Uh, that's right. But why did he leave? I thought he was coming here to marry you. Oh, I guess he didn't like my look. Oh, well, in that case, I ought to be hearing from him soon. Uh, yes, uh, he'll probably write to you soon. Uh, sorry I was so much of a bother. I was just worried. You see, he's the only relative I've got, and I have to take care of him. Oh, I take care of him all right. What do you mean? Oh, nothing, nothing. Oh, well, I must be getting back. I have to catch the last train to the city. Well, uh, why don't you stay here all night? Oh, I couldn't do that. Why not? Too late to catch that train now. Uh, incidentally, what time is it? Uh, just a minute, uh, till I get my watch out. And... Let's see. It's, uh, it's half past ten. Say, where did you get that watch? I don't remember. Why? Because that's my father's watch. Let's see it. Oh, oh yes, I, I remember now. He, he gave it to me. You're lying. My dad would never give that watch away. It was a gift from my mother. He, well, he gave it to me. Oh, no, he didn't. He would have to be dead first before he'd give up that watch. That's it. You killed no. him. No, no, you stay away from me. I'll kill you, you fiend. Oh, no, you won't. Not while I have a knife in my hand. No, I'll kill you just as I killed your father. If you come near me with that knife, I'll throw this light of kerosene lamp at you. <laughs> you wouldn't dare. You'd set the house on fire. Wouldn't I? <laughs> you, you she-devil, take that. No, no. And so, Marty, that was the end of Ruth Cooper. She died as horribly as she lived. The kerosene from the exploded lamp spread over her body, and she was burned to death. But, Chief, what happened to Florence's son? Well, he gave himself up to the police and told just what happened. The authorities made an immediate investigation and found the skeletons of at least 19 of her victims in a shallow grave behind the barn. They found the mutilated body of her little adopted daughter, Marie. Were they able to identify any of Ruth Cooper's victims? Yes, Marty. You see, uh, she seemed to have a mania for keeping the watches of those she murdered. These were traced and revealed the identity of many of her victims. She became acquainted with through advertisements she had inserted in matrimonial journals. Gee, gee, what a story. Yes, what a story. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard another true life story brought to you by that eminent criminologist and president of the International Secret Service Association, Detective Nick Harris for the sole purpose of forewarning the unsuspecting public against answering advertisements in matrimonial journals without first making a careful investigation. Although the basic facts of this story are true and happened in the state of Indiana some years ago, in deference to relatives of the innocent victims, fictitious names and places have been used throughout. This story was dramatized by Margaret Saul and is a Carolyn Carroll production. In the cast this afternoon were Malcolm McTaggart as Marty Coe, the reporter, Louise Bradford as Mrs. Ruth Cooper, the murderess, Charles E. Bender was Mr. Cooper, the first husband of the murderess, Estelle Carroll was heard as Marie Cooper, the nine-year-old daughter, and Ben Kumagai as Daniel S. Florence, Jr. 
Mr. Harris will again be heard over this same station next Sunday afternoon at the regular time, 12.30, in another true-life drama entitled Risky Business. Tune to KECA Los Angeles.